This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 103. A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with sitcoms of 1980. How do I fit in in a room full of women when they don't even know that I exist? Daily I rehearse, ladies first, up with women. Still I'm at the bottom of the list. Should I be polite? Should I stand up and fight when they don't seem to want me for my mind? Ladies' Man, not to be confused with the 1999 Alfred Molina sitcom of the same name, premiered on CBS on October 27, 1980, at 8.30 p.m. You may have noticed this is a little late for the first new show of the fall 1980 season. An actor's strike crippled the industry and resulted in an Emmy broadcast where only one nominee showed up. Anyway, the 1980 version of the show started Lawrence Pressman dealing with the women in his life. He's the single father of an eight-year-old girl, Natasha Ryan, and there's a housewife neighbor, Karen Morrow, and he works at Women's Life magazine as a feature writer for boss Louise Sorrell, with co-workers Simone Griffith, Allison Argo, and Betty Kennedy. The only other male regular is a bookkeeper played by Herb Edelman. Now, we covered Karen Morrow in episode 88 for Tabitha, Louise Sorrell in episode 61 for The Don Rickles Show, and Herb Edelman in episode 52 for The Good Guys. Lawrence Pressman already had several regular roles under his belt prior to Ladies' Man, two miniseries, Rich Man, Poor Man, and Blind Ambition, and the lead in a dramatic series, Mulligan Stew, as well as the film Shaft and a lot of TV guest roles. He would go on to Doogie Hauser, M.D. as the dad, Profiler, Judging Amy, Crossing Jordan, General Hospital, Transparent, Heart of Dixie, and films 9 to 5 and American Pie. He's also been on Broadway, The Man in the Glass Booth, and Play It Again, Sam. Natasha Ryan had a run on Days of Our Lives and some TV movies and guest spots prior to this series. Simone Griffith would go on to Amanda's and films The Patriot and Death Race 2000. She reunited with co-star Herb Edelman on Golden Girls. He played the ex-husband of B. Arthur's character. She played his second wife. Today, she's a real estate agent and acting coach. Alison Argo has had two careers. Acting, Ladies' Man and The Bold and the Beautiful are her only non-guest roles, and producing and writing documentaries mostly about animals, winning six Emmys for her work. Ladies' Man managed to eke out 16 episodes before going under. I could only find the opening credits, an easy listening version of the theme describes the premise trope, and a combined promo with flow. There is one historical point involved with the show, One episode was interrupted by the news that John Lennon had been shot.
It's a Living premiered on ABC on October 30th, 1980 at 9.30 p.m. Surprisingly, not a Flintstones spinoff about talking animal appliances, but a sitcom about waitresses. It's also a show that started or joined a trend for 80s sitcoms. L.A.'s real-life Bonaventure Hotel is the fictional setting for Above the Top, a swanky penthouse restaurant. Sarcastic Jan, Barry Youngfellow, Mousy Dot, Gail Edwards, Naive Vicky, Wendy Shaw, Mom Lois, Susan Sullivan, and Brassy Cassie and Jillian work for Maitre D. Nancy, Marion Mercer, while dealing with the lounge singer Sonny, Paul Kreppel, and Chief Mario, Bert Remsen. The cast changed over the seasons for reasons we'll get to. Sullivan, Shawl, and Remsen disappeared in season two, replaced by Louise Lasser as a new waitress and Earl Bowen as the new chef. Season three dropped those two, adding Crystal Bernard and Richard Stahl. Season four saw Jillian leave the show, replaced by Cheryl Lee Ralph. Now, we covered Marion Mercer back in episode 59 for Funny Face, Richard Stahl in episode 94 for Turnabout, and we'll cover Crystal Bernard later for her more famous series. Barry Youngfellow was in a number of TV movies with many guest roles, as well as a regular run on AES Hudson Street prior to its living. She did a handful of other guest roles and played Blossom's mother in the pilot of that series before departing the business. Gail Edwards got involved in theater as a child and would remain involved in regional theater for decades, writing, producing, and starring in Off-Broadway's Becoming. During this period, she worked as an opener for Sinatra and a backup vocalist for Sergio Franchi. She moved to TV in the late 70s and had a number of guest roles into the 90s, recurring on Blossom and Full House. She would return in a guest role on Fuller House in 2017. During the hiatus of It's a Living, we'll get to that, she was offered a regular role on Happy Days as Mr. and Mrs. C's niece, but her management company turned it down without telling her. The role went to Crystal Bernard instead, and they later worked together on It's a Living. She essentially retired in 1994. Wendy Shaw is the stepdaughter of Valerie Harper with Richard Shaw and was doing TV guest work by the mid-70s. She recurred or was a regular on Fantasy Island, Aftermash, Nearly Departed, Good Grief, and is now the voice of Francine on American Dad. Susan Sullivan was originally going to concentrate on the stage, playing opposite Dustin Hoffman and Jimmy Shine, but wound up with a universal contract instead, which meant she was all over the NBC mystery movie in guest roles. She also had a long run as Lenore Moore on Another World. She was a regular or recurred on Rich Man, Poor Man, Book Two, Having Babies, The George Carlin Show, The Monroes, Hope and Faith, The Nine, Castle, The Kaminsky Method, and is currently on Last Man Standing. She's also done voice work for Justice League and Big Hero 6. She may be best known for her roles of Maggie Channing on Falcon Crest and Kitty Montgomery on Dharma and Greg. Anne Jillian, a.k.a. Anne Jura Naseda, was born to Lithuanian parents and speaks the language fluently. She started as a child actress going back to Leave it to Beaver in 1960. She played Bo Peep in a Disney retelling of Babes in Toyland and later had a run on Hazel. She moved on to voice work for shows such as Scooby-Doo and Sea Lab 2020, but wound up working in a department store by the mid-70s. 
By the late 70s, her second career began on the stage in Broadway's Sugar Babies. This led back to TV and It's a Living. She parlayed this into TV movies, one where she played Mae West, and a second series, Jennifer Slept Here. She also became a mainstay on Bob Hope's TV specials and USO tours. In 1985, during the hiatus, Jillian was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 35. She went public with this, something that just wasn't done at the time, and her notoriety helped to end the show's hiatus. Jillian would leave the series again to fight the cancer and win after having a double mastectomy. She also played herself in a TV movie about her experiences, winning a Golden Globe and an Emmy nomination. She also got two more Emmy noms and a Golden Globe nom for TV movies. A third eponymous series came along in the late 80s with TV movies and guest roles until 2000 when she retired from the business to concentrate on raising a family and promoting breast cancer issues. Paul Kreppel got started in improvisation in a group called The Proposition, which included Jane Curtin and Josh Mustel. He transferred to the stage at one point co-starring with a young Meryl Streep. He came to Hollywood for It's a Living and did a lot of TV guest roles through the year 2000. He would also direct multiple episodes of the series. Kreppel also toured the game show circuit and was a board member of SAG. In 2006, he co-directed and produced Jay Johnson, the two and only, for which he won a Tony. Burt Remsen is a familiar face as a character actor with 195 IMDb credits from the 50s to the 90s. But first, he was a crew member on the USS Lafferty during the Battle of Okinawa in World War II. He recurred or was a regular on Rawhide, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Route 66, Dr. Kildare, 12 O'Clock High, Peyton Place, Gibbsville, Dynasty, and Dallas, as well as films Porkchop Hill, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Nashville, Fast Break, Independence Day, Places in the Heart, Dick Tracy, The Player, and The Bodyguard. Remsen also worked behind the camera as a casting director for the FBI and the Rookies, as well as a ton of TV movies. He passed in 1999. Louise Lasser's parents both committed suicide while she went onto the stage understudying for Streisand in I Can Get It For You Wholesale. She would later appear in the play Thieves. A wedding to Woody Allen placed her in several of his early films, What's Up Tiger Lily, Take the Money and Run, Bananas, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask, TV guest spots followed and then came Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, the pseudo-soap opera with Lasser in the main role as a depressed housewife and nominated for an Emmy. She would leave the show after two seasons. It was serialized with five shows a week. There are some dark times during this period, a cocaine arrest, an erratic performance on SNL that had to be written into the show. Chevy Chase lured her out of her dressing room with a promise to appear on the cover of Time magazine which resulted in her reportedly being banned from the series. She had few roles after that until It's a Living, where she appeared for a single season. Since then, she's mostly done films. Modern Love, Frankenhooker, Mystery Men, Requiem for a Dream, Wolves of Wall Street. Lasser is also the first woman to win the Clio Award, which is for commercials, and is a life member of the Actors Studio. Earl Bowen is another familiar face and character actor with 247 IMDb credits. He appeared in dozens of TV guest roles in the 70s, recognizable for his hangdog expression. It's a Living was his first regular series, appearing for only the second season. Other recurring or regular runs were on 
Who's the Boss, Mamba's Family, The Law and Harry McGraw, Get a Life, Santa Barbara, L.A. Law, and California Dreams. He appeared in the Terminator franchise, as well as the main event, 9 to 5, Airplane 2, the sequel, The Man with Two Brains, To Be or Not to Be, My Stepmother is an Alien. By the 90s, Bowen had segued into voice work, a pup named Scooby-Doo, The Further Adventures of Super Ted, The Addams Family, Bonkers, Skeleton Warriors, Bruno the Kid, Spider-Man the Animated Series, The Fantastic Voyages of Sinbad the Sailor, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Kim Possible, and a ton of video games. As mentioned, there were a lot of changes during the run of It's a Living. The first season was shortened due to the actor's strike, which combined with its competition, Magnum P.I., made it difficult for the show to get much traction. The network decided to retool the show, dropping Sullivan, Shaw, and Remsen, adding Lasser and Bowen, and renaming the show Making a Living. None of this worked, and the show was canceled at the end of the season. Now, for most shows, that'd be the end of the line. The show went to syndication with only 27 episodes total, a tiny number. However, it caught on over time, generally shown on a Saturday afternoon on a local station because they couldn't run it Monday through Friday. Then, Anne Gillian's cancer diagnosis in 1984 brought her and the show back into the limelight. Producers Paul Younger-Witt and Tony Thomas, who already had a hit with Soap and would cast another female-led show soon after, the Golden Girls, decided to enter the new field of first-run syndication with new episodes of the show. Now, for my research, it appears that Too Close for Comfort, which we'll get to in a little bit, just beat It's a Living to be the first to switch from network to syndication, with a host of shows following them, including What's Happening Now, see episode 80. Anne Gillian was lured back, although she would leave after just one more season to fight her cancer. Lasser and Bowen were gone, and Bernard and Stahl were in. The show was renamed It's a Living, what it was always called in the syndication package. Jillian was replaced by Ralph the next season, and that completed cast switching until the end of the syndicated run in 1989. The show never really did very well in the ratings, and determining syndicated ratings is tricky, so it's a remarkably long run, six seasons total with 120 episodes. In some of the reviews, there are references to the waitress's skimpy outfits, but when you consider the other shows on at the time on the same network, like Charlie's Angels and The Love Boat, I would say their outfits are rather tame. The show has appeared on TV Land and Logo, is currently shown on Antenna TV, and the first season can be found on Amazon Prime. I watched a first season episode there, warning, the theme is an earworm with Broadway-level pep. Cassie has a date and the gals help her make a meal for him. There's a lot of rimshot type jokes, but the cast makes the script work. There's also some pathos as Cassie's relationship crumbles, and then the show ends rather abruptly. Sonny is rather annoying, and Nancy is pitch perfect. As a comparison, I also watched a season 5 episode, the syndicated run, from YouTube. With Cassie gone, Jan basically became the star of the show. Richard Klein from Three's Company plays her significant other. There are three subplots with Jan getting a mink coat, which seemed anachronistic already, Dot trying to lose weight, and the gang giving blood. I have to say the comedy isn't quite as good. When I was young, I played the games of childhood. As a childhood, I used to play. I'm a big girl. 
I'm a Big Girl Now premiered on ABC on October 31st, 1980 at 8.30 p.m. The producers of our last series are back along with one of the stars from their series, Soap. Diana Canova stars as a newly divorced mom whose father, Danny Thomas, just watched his wife leave him, so they decide to move in together to take care of each other. Rory King plays her young daughter. Sherry North plays her boss. Michael Durrell plays her brother-in-law. Martin Short and Deborah Baltzell complete the cast. Of course, we covered Diana Canova in episode 86 for Soap. Danny Thomas way back in episode 9 for his eponymous series. Sherry North in episode 76 for Big Eddie. Martin Short in episode 99 for The Associates. And Michael Durrell in our last episode for Nobody's Perfect. Considering that ABC had a show combining a new hot star, a TV legend, and producers with a decent track record, they probably had high expectations. They didn't pan out with a show lasting 19 episodes. Could only find the opening theme online with Canova herself singing the song. At least this freed up Martin Short for SCTV and SNL. More of 1980s sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm finding this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.